L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome back. Or if you are new to the podcast, welcome to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike, and I may have the most ridiculous topic I've ever had on the podcast, but I watched something recently and it inspired me to do this topic. We're going to talk about what horror villain do you think you could take on in a real life fight? As Horror Movie Month continues here on the podcast, we're going full in this week. In the movie review, we'll talk about the new movie from The Rock. Was he able to save the DC Universe with his new movie Black Adam, which is in theaters now? And then in the trailer park, we have a look at Creed 3. We'll see what that movie is all about. We also have some news on a sequel to one of my favorite movies of all time, plus something I am very annoyed and that is affecting my personal life that has to do with movies we'll talk about that in that final segment as well thanks to everybody for being subscribed and listening to the podcast shout out to the monday morning movie crew let's talk movies in a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast a man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. What horror movie villain do you think you could actually beat up in a fight? That is the question today. Why this topic came to my head is while watching Halloween Ends, which I reviewed last week, and I told you without spoiling it that... Michael Myers isn't really a threat in that movie. He's older, he's slower, it takes place four years after the last time we saw him and he is really non-existent in that movie. And I realized that, man, if I had to go head-to-head with this version of Michael Myers, I think I could take him on. Probably not the original Michael Myers from the first Halloweens. He's a pretty big guy. I think they have him listed as six foot eight, very strong and muscular. But I think now the aging Michael Myers, I could not only probably outsmart him, but I could definitely go head to head with him in a fight at this point in his life. So it had me thinking, what other horror movie villains could I take on in a fight? And I'll give you my qualifications. We'll lay the ground rules. So my way in here, I'm about five foot eight about 170-ish pounds. I don't really weigh myself anymore. I used to be pushing 285, 290 pounds before I lost all my weight, but now I'm in like that 170 range, but I don't weigh myself because it freaks me out and messes with my head too much. I'm pretty athletic. I have really good stamina. I also have a pretty good high pain tolerance when it comes to absorbing punches. My brother and I, one of our favorite activities was just seeing how hard of a hit each other could take in the arm. So from that, I'm pretty good at absorbing some blows, 
to my body. And then I think when provoked, I can go off. There's something in my brain that will switch off. And if I have to go into defense mode, especially in a horror movie situation, I think that crazy side of me would come out and I could be pretty scrappy in a fight, even though I've never really been in a full on fist fight in my adult life. But the ground rules we have going into this is no guns, just no guns. There's That's an unfair fight. Nobody in this situation has a gun. That's kind of an easy way out. When you watch a horror movie, they never have guns because that would be the easy thing. You just shoot them and that's it. Except Probably for Michael Myers' case, he still comes back from that. And then also no home field advantage. You don't get to pick the scenario you get dropped in. It's just a random location. And nobody has their signature weapon. Michael Myers doesn't have a knife. Nobody has the things they usually use to take out their victims. That is the ground rules here. So the first horror movie villain I know for a fact that I can take out, you can take him out too, is Chucky from Child's Play. And I know when we watch horror movies, you have to suspend your expectations, suspend what normal life is, because in any normal situation, a two foot four doll isn't really going to be a threat, but it's the fact that he is unassuming, that he can wield a knife, he is psychotic, and it's just creepy to see a doll come to life. But in a normal situation, if I get taken out by a doll wearing Oshkosh Bagosh overalls, I could not live with myself. I could not go on to an afterlife with that situation. Like, hey, how'd you go out? Well, this little doll who I probably could have just thrown in the corner and not thought about it. You know, he took me out. Chucky does have some strengths. Even though he is small, that means he is harder to hit. If he runs around, you may have a little bit of a hard time kind of getting your hands on him. But after that, he is small. He is easy to pick up and just throw. I would probably try to find just something to put on top of him, and that would kind of be endgame. He's not really breaking out of anything in that situation. And his biggest weakness is that he is made of plastic. He's just this molten plastic thing, so you get any kind of flame. You really get any kind of surface and just scrape his face a little bit until it totally goes away. You could take on Chucky in a fight. And along with Chucky, I'm going to put Annabelle in this category. I'm going to put the Puppet Master. I'm going to put the boy, all of these dogs. All like creatures can be taken out by putting them in a box, locking it up and throwing it into the ocean. That doesn't mean their individual movies aren't entertaining, but in a real life situation, those are the first to go. Up next, I'm going to say Ghostface from Scream. And that is because Ghostface is just a normal dude, sometimes plural dudes and usually just teenagers. And in a situation where we are put into a fight and they don't have their knife, it's just a straight on fight. You're just fighting a normal person here. It's just a dude in a ghost face mask. And they also have a long gown that is not the best thing to fight in. You step on that thing and they have nowhere to go. So really anybody with any kind of fighting experience could hold their own against Ghostface. It's just a guy behind a mask and all you, even if they had the blade, if they were able to find anything, I think in these situations, you can use the things around you. Even if they found a knife, all you have to do is avoid the knife. Their biggest strength is the spooky mask that creeps you out and they can hack in, I guess, to phone systems and security systems and they stalk you. Other than that, their weakness is that they are obsessed with Sydney. Prescott but that biggest defeat is still that ridiculous robe so you step on that you push him down and then you take out Ghostface so I think we could all probably at least hold our own against Ghostface and avoid being killed in a scream movie next up from the Saw movies I have John Kramer who is the guy who tortures everybody in the Saw movies he doesn't really kill anybody himself he puts you in the situation that if you can escape you are free to live. If you can't, well, you die. And the reason you get into this situation is that at some point in your life, he noticed that you didn't value the life you had. It's this whole total mind game thing. There is a little bit of a moral dilemma here with John Kramer being one that I could take on in a fight, that we could all take on in a fight, is that he is elderly. He is also terminally ill. So it's this moral battle of even though he is doing really heinous things to people, putting them in these situations, tormenting them and killing them, he himself 
is struggling. He himself is in pain and he is going to die eventually. So I would not fight this guy. I think he is merely a person that you could sit down with and have a conversation. So that is how I would defeat the bad guy from Saw. Let's just talk this thing out. And I think by the end of this conversation, we'll both leave a little bit enlightened and maybe we could even be friends out of this. You don't need to kill me. I don't need to kill you. And I'll forgive you for all the people who you have put into these ridiculous, crazy, elaborate traps. His strength here is we already know that he has a very devious mind and he's able to remain calm in all these situations. He has thought up the most intricate ways to have people face some of their biggest fears. So maybe with his words, he could also manipulate me a bit into thinking that I should take on one of his obstacles. Like maybe he messes with my brain to be like, oh, you couldn't escape my my trap even if you tried. And I would try to prove him wrong. And I would be like, all right, what do you got? Put me up against it. Let's go. And then I would ultimately perish in that situation. But I think if I'm able to avoid that, know that going into it, I think all we need is our sit-down conversation and we take out together John Kramer from Saw. After Saw, I was thinking about one of the most old-school horror movies that we don't really talk about anymore and a horror movie that really could not be made today for a lot of reasons, but the movie Cujo about the killer dog who torments this mom and her kid. And the entire movie is just them trapped in a car trying to avoid Cujo killing them. And this is a tough one. It's another moral dilemma because I would never hurt an animal. I would never hurt a dog. But Cujo is a killer dog. And I think that's why it would be hard to make this movie now because a lot of people don't really like watching movies where the dog dies, myself included. It's always more depressing sometimes when a dog dies than when an actual person dies in a movie. I always root for the dog to live a long, prosperous life. But in this situation, the dog is the antagonist. The dog is trying to kill you. And out of all the horror movies, you have, I mean, other people who are seven feet tall and you think, I could probably outrun a dog is where I'm going with the Cujo situation. I'm a pretty good runner and I've been chased by dogs before because I run in neighborhoods. I try to find new places to run and every time I visit a city sometimes they're unfamiliar so sometimes I just encounter dogs so over the years I've developed pretty good stamina when it comes to running that I could just keep going especially if there's something chasing me I could outrun whatever it is so in the case of Cujo I wouldn't hurt him still can't do that to a dog even though he's trying to bite my face off and even though he is covered and drenched in blood I would merely just outrun him and by the time I outrun him I would get onto a building eventually wait until he gets tired and bored and just find a car and drive away that is how I would escape and defeat Cujo next up I love these movies. I think they are an underrated franchise. First one is great. The rest of them are a little bit comical, but I still enjoy them. But I could without a doubt take on the Leprechaun from Leprechaun. The Leprechaun stands at three foot six. He does have some strengths and advantages. He does magic. He can do things and make things appear and he can make you see things that aren't really there. He also has razor sharp nails that in some of the movies he slices people's stomachs wide open. So he's a trickster. He is devious. He is quick and he is very creepy looking that just the sight of him would be scary in itself. But I think that in the rules of this fight, you don't have your signature weapon. And I think therefore you don't have your powers because that's kind of his weapon. He uses a lot of manipulation and a lot of trickery to take some people out. So he wouldn't have those supernatural abilities. He would just be a leprechaun. And even with his razor sharp fingernails, I'm still putting my money on myself. So I'm about to rough up and mess up this leprechaun. I think anybody... In any Leprechaun movie, probably could have and should have done the same. Next up is Samara from The Ring. She is four foot four inches. Samara has some strength, though. She is scrappy. And even though she is on the shorter side, if you've seen The Ring movies, she is utterly relentless. She seems like the type of person who will get knocked down and get right back up, even though she moves very, very slowly. But her greatest weakness is that she is unarmed. She doesn't have any muscles. She doesn't really have any strength aside from just being super creepy. But let's not forget that Samara is trapped in a well. So, but if you just look at this on a smarts level, if there's somebody who 
get stuck in a well, I think I would be able to outsmart them. So I would really not need to take her on physically because I don't feel great about that. But I would merely just outsmart her, probably Looney Tune style. Quick little trap and Samara is a non-issue. I think if all of our lives were really in danger here, we could go up against her. Next up, Candyman. We all remember being scared of the legend of Candyman from back in the day. He has a very traumatic past and he only appears to targets after they say Candyman five times in a mirror. So that's already one way to defeat him is just never say his name in the first place. But again, we're put into the situation. We are placed head to head against Candyman. So we are already assuming that he is standing right in front of us. Now, how do we defeat him? His strengths? He's very angry. He is out to kill people and he has these bees in his chest. Those are his strengths. His weakness? Well, we're not going to be in his home field advantage, so there won't be any mirrors anyway. That takes away a little bit of his strength. And let's remember the first time he is taken out, he is destroyed by fire. So if you're able to start a fire somehow, which I think I can start a fire from scratch. I've done that before. I haven't done it in a while, but if I'm put in this situation, I could do that. I could also probably, depending on what landscape we get dropped into, maybe find some honey, throw it on himself, and then the bees won't know what to do. But the biggest way to defeat Candyman, if you could get your hands on one, just get a bee suit. You find a bee suit, maybe some duct tape. That way, even if he does try to claw at you, slice you up, you're able to patch up those slices real quick. There's no way his bees can penetrate you if you have a bee suit. So step one, try to start a fire. Step two, try to find a bee suit. Step three, give him a taste of his own medicine and drop him in some honey. And then finally... In a situation like this, I think I could rough up any of the classic monsters from all of the old monster movies. The Mummy, the Frankenstein, Dracula, Creature from the Black Lagoon. And I think it's because all the versions we've seen of those characters in movies are very comical. They're very stiff and they are a non-threat when it comes to people you could take on in a fight. So I also asked this question online. Here are some of my favorite responses from Sean Eastern. He said, outside of the water, I could take on Jaws. I just thought that was hilarious because, yes, put into a neutral environment. You take Jaws out of the water and you just sit back and wait. From Chris Owen, the puppet master of puppets. Yeah, that goes back to that category I mentioned earlier. Any kind of doll, any kind of just supernatural creature or box or object those could all easily be taken out. From Jonathan Martini, he said, Norman Bates, easy. He was about 6'2", and I'm 6'6", with at least a plus 5-inch reach on him. I'd lay my money on that one. Jonathan, if you are 6'6", I would easily put you into having an advantage over Norman Bates. And yeah, I never really saw Norman Bates as a real physical threat. And Jonathan, at 6'6", I feel like you could have an easy day Probably with the real Michael Myers in his prime. You're a tall dude, Jonathan. Sherry Morris said the girl from the movie The Orphan. I agree with that one, Sherry. I would put my money on you. And finally, Dustin Midkiff on Facebook said the fisherman from I Know What You Did Last Summer. That's another good one. The fisherman and the evil guy in that movie is really also just a normal dude, except a hook on his hand. So Dustin, I don't know you personally, but I would also put my money on you. All right, coming up, I'll give my spoiler-free review of Black Adam starring The Rock in the trailer park later. We'll talk about Creed 3, why I am upset with Rotten Tomatoes, and then we'll also talk about the Twister sequel we are getting more than 25 years after the original one. We'll be back after this. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. 
At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. All right, about to get into a spoiler-free review of Black Adam. And I will say that I was very excited going into this movie. I am a fan of The Rock. I loved him as a wrestler, and it's cool to see over the years, his transition into being one of the most bankable movie stars that we have right now. And Black Adam seemed like a passion project for him almost. I've seen him just posting about it for so long on his Instagram, and he is really good at building up hype. And that was instilled in me. And back when I first saw the trailer for this movie, I thought this was going to be the answer that DC was looking for. This was going to be their force as their entire DC extended universe. It's kind of in shambles with the Flash movie being up in the air, with the Justice League being disbanded. I think that for some reason I had this expectation that Black Adam was going to come and change all that because it had a darker, grittier tone. He was being set up as having all of the superpowers that Superman has without the moral compass. And that's what Black Adam was going to be. So with the star power, with the story, with I just am a big fan of superheroes. They're like my favorite genre that I was excited for this. So before I get into my full review here and answer the question, is this going to save the DCEU? Here's just a little bit of the Black Adam trailer. If you haven't seen it at this point, because this thing is everywhere. If you watch any NFL game or been on Instagram or TikTok at all. This trailer is everywhere, but there's a little piece in this that I will reference in the review. I was a slave until I died. Then I was reborn a god. My son sacrificed his life to save me. Over Now I kneel before no one. So the story of Black Adam is that of an anti-hero. He doesn't do things like a normal superhero would because Black Adam has no problem killing his enemies. And this movie starts out giving the backstory of Black Adam. And then the first opening sequence is 5,000 years after that, after he was given these powers by these Egyptian gods. And after he was imprisoned, he is now free from his prison and unleashed from his tomb. What you see in the trailer is actually that first scene of him just annihilating all of these quote-unquote bad guys, and he is out for vengeance. Also, that you heard in that trailer, his son sacrificed himself, and that is why Black Adam is here, and that's why he is so 
angry. And from that opening sequence, Black Adam, to me, looked like a force that was going to be hard to deal with. And I did enjoy seeing him take out these bad guys. I think it gave me that excitement that I did get from the trailer of him just throwing people around, tossing people around like rag dolls. That was fun to see. And then you also get to see all of his superpowers in that opening sequence. He can fly. He's very fast. He has this lightning capabilities. And he's almost like a hybrid of a bunch of different superhero characters. When he smacks his hand together, it kind of creates a sonic boom, kind of like the Hulk. So he is a cool superhero. And... He looks really cool, and I think that's why I was so excited about it. I do like the suit, and The Rock is built like a superhero just in normal, everyday life. So it's almost surprising that it took this long for him to actually become a superhero, and he was signed on to do this movie 15 years ago. So all those things combined had my expectations a lot higher and after that first opening sequence, I kind of realized that they weren't going to be met. And DC really just historically struggles with creating great backstories for characters, with giving these heroes the origin stories that they need. You know, to really set up a great superhero, you need to be invested in their story. You need to care about their actions and they need to come from a place of like, okay, I understand why they are doing this. And I never really got that with Black Adam The opening sequence with his backstory, I found it a little bit boring. And DC is kind of like that ex-boyfriend who tells you that they are going to change and you get back together with them and you realize you ain't changing. You're kind of doing the same thing over and over again. That's how they are with their backstories. They're always set in like these older times and these mythological times and they try to create a much bigger world than they can take on. So it gets a little bit lost. It gets a little bit just kind of confusing. And I also didn't feel like that backstory really invested me more in understanding The Rock's actions as Black Adam. And just the look of it too, it kind of felt like I was watching 300 from back in the day. It felt very dated and DC movies to me always just kind of looked like a 2000s metal music video. I wasn't a fan of that style. And where the movie really just began to lose me is the novelty wore off pretty quick of him just throwing people around and taking out bad guys. And the entire movie just felt very surface level and it never really gave me anybody to root for. Like I love The Rock, but I was expecting a little bit more from his performance. In order to make a great origin story, again, you need a fully fleshed out superhero or anti-hero And I never found myself being that excited when he was on screen. The way he delivered his lines, and I know I don't expect The Rock to be the greatest actor, but it was very much just The Rock in the Black Adam costume. I didn't feel like he was what the character needed to be. I didn't really find him that believable as a superhero. And I think that's due to the, you know, not execution of the backstory And I know it's possible to do a great backstory like this, just watching a movie like Black Panther. That movie was really able to set up the world of Wakanda in a very concise and profound way that this movie was not able to do the same. And it also just kind of lacked that big triumphant moment that I always look for in a superhero movie. The moment that makes you want to cheer and the moment that makes you feel like he has finally done something amazing and worthy of all of our investment in this story. Never really got that. I also think I didn't enjoy this movie because I felt like there was a lack of the supporting cast. And, you know, you have Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate. You have Hawkman. And this introduction of the Justice Society, who in the movie, they are the ones set out to put Black Adam back into his prison because he is out here killing people and they want to restore the order. And I didn't really love any of their characters. They had their quick little moments, but even Adam Smasher was like a mix of Deadpool and Ant-Man. And it was just in those moments, I really found them trying to emulate the MCU and falling flat of that, especially when it came to any attempt at comic relief. They had some side characters who were supposed to be the goofy ones and they tried to make commentary on the tropes of superhero movies and catchphrases and all of that fell completely flat 
And none of the side characters really had their moment to shine. I felt like the focus was so much on, of course, Black Adam and the star of The Rock, but he didn't deliver enough to warrant all of that attention in this movie. And that's not something you want in a superhero movie. But the one thing I do have to give to DC is their visual effects in this movie outshine anything Marvel has done in the last year. I think when it came to the costume design, aside from Adam Smasher, when it came to the visual effects, I thought those were what I was looking for in a superhero movie. So that did make it entertaining, but it just really lacked heart. So I don't think this is a superhero movie for the masses. I think if you are a diehard superhero fan, you still will find some enjoyment in this movie. I just don't think it was the answer I was looking for when it comes to DC. Still, my favorite DC movie in this universe is The Suicide Squad. I don't really consider the Batman to be in this same realm. I feel like what Matt Reeves is doing there is pretty independent. But when it comes to anything Justice League, anything that Zack Snyder did, or anything that's trying to be their Avengers, I don't think it's there yet. So the movie was just kind of a letdown. But I do hope that kids will see this movie and still enjoy it. And I can get that as a 30-year-old comic book superhero fan. I realize that sometimes all these movies aren't really geared towards me. And knowing that a kid out there could watch this movie and Black Adam could become their favorite superhero and a kid will want to dress up as Black Adam for Halloween and their favorite actor is The Rock. I think that is more what this movie is for. And if my favorite part out of this entire movie was the post credit scene, then this movie did not do its job. So I would give Black Adam 2.5 out of 5 lightning bolts. I will like to do a spoiler version of this review later to talk about that post credit scene. So if you are going to watch Black Adam, I would advise you to stay off TikTok to avoid that post credit scene. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season... We are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. 
Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. This movie looks really good, and it's very rare for a part three to a franchise look this good just right out of the gate in the trailer. And we're talking about Creed 3 starring Michael B. Jordan. He is back, and this time he is directing this movie. This is his directorial debut, which is a really big deal. Michael B. Jordan is an incredibly talented actor. He's been in a lot of great movies. Really one of the actors in the last 10 years to rise so quickly to that A-list level of actor, and he has done that. This movie follows directly after Creed 2, and in this place we have Michael B. Jordan's character meeting his former childhood friend and former boxing prodigy, Damien Dame Anderson. He is back after serving a long sentence in prison and he's eager to get his shot back in the ring. But then it looks like some tensions get high and it looks like we end up having a match off between the two former friends when really he's just trying to help him out get his life back together. But before we get into more about Creed 3, here is just a little bit of the trailer. Damien's fighting the world and he's trying to hurt people. I vouch for you. You think you mad? Try spending half your life in a cell. Watching somebody else live your life. I'm coming for everything. You threatening me? Something is going on with you. Damien was like family. Now we pass talking. Then maybe you just have to find out. Fight, 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 fight. So this movie looks like it could be the best one yet in the Creed franchise. Again, that's very rare for a part three to a franchise to look this good. Even more rare and unheard of that it's coming from one of the greatest, if not the greatest, sports movie franchise of all time. It's a spinoff of Rocky, which Rocky in itself, some of the greatest sports movies ever made. So this is like two levels deep on my expectations already being blown out the water, but you have Michael B. Jordan here also directing this movie. And that's a hard thing to do to direct and star in a movie at this level and also get to the physical capabilities that a movie like this requires. And both Michael B. Jordan and the actor who plays Damien in this movie, who is Jonathan Majors, both look incredibly in tip-top shape. They're both shredded. They look like real fighters. They don't look like actors playing fighters. So that itself adds a whole other level of authenticity to this movie. And separately, they are such great actors in their own right, especially Jonathan Majors, to take on a role like this where he is a pretty versatile actor. And this role almost seems to come to him so naturally just looking at this trailer. So I think both of them going head-to-head in this movie one in their acting, but two actually fighting each other. I think that is something that I'm really looking forward to. So what it looks like this movie is about is Damien gets out of prison. He meets up with Michael B. Jordan's character and Michael B. Jordan offers him to come train at his gym. He's trying to get him back on his feet, but obviously Damien feels like he is living out his life and he's had this entire time in prison to build up this anger, build up this tension. And now that he is out, even though he goes to him seeking help, it looks like he ultimately wants to take him down and get some revenge here. And you see that in the trailer when he's training in the ring at his gym. He's going all out on some of these opponents in practice and just these warm-ups and just this sparring situation. And he looks like an utter force and a great villain in this movie. And I think this is a franchise that no matter what level of movie fan you are, you can get into, even if you haven't seen all of the original Rocky movies and you're just looking for some really good drama and slash action movies, I think you should hop into watching Creed 1 and 2 before this movie comes out next year. This is Creed 3 coming out on March 3rd, 2023. Definitely one on my list. And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park. One of my favorite movies of all time, 
On some days, it is my favorite of all time, but it's easily the movie I've seen the most. I have watched Twister from 1996 at least 50 times since it's come out. It's been out a while now. It's just been my comfort movie for a very long time, and it was the first movie I really remember going to watch in theaters because I remember the first night I went, it was completely sold out. That doesn't happen anymore. Movies don't get sold out like they used to, so that was a big memory for me. And I think it was also that it was kind of me facing my fears watching this movie because I grew up in a trailer park and my biggest fear growing up in a trailer park in Texas was that a twister would come and there's nowhere to go in a trailer park. You can't really seek shelter. So I always had this unnatural fear that I was going to be taken away by a twister and how I combated that fear was by taking on my biggest fear head on and watching twister over and over again. It's a movie that I can recite from the start to the end of it. And it's also a movie that my wife and I have now bonded over. And we are both just really big fans of disaster movies. And I know sometimes disaster movies don't get the best rap, especially critically. But I think they are an underappreciated genre because they're just fun movies. I love a good disaster movie. They are what comfort me and bring down my levels of anxiety So they announced that a sequel to the original Twister is now in development and it may start filming as early as next year. Universal Pictures has confirmed that the sequel to the 1996 disaster movie is coming. The new movie will be titled, well, as of now, Twisters, which is... Ugh, not the best title. I would I would take Twister 2 over Twisters, but okay. Expected to start production next year. And according to Deadline, it will reportedly focus on Helen Hunt's character, who is Joe, and the daughter she has with Bill Paxton's character, who is Bill. But it's still unclear whether or not Helen Hunt will be back in this movie. It could just be her daughter. Although she did previously say that she would be interested in doing it, but Bill Paxton, of course, passed away in 2017 at the age of 61 so i know he wanted to make a twister sequel back in 2010 i remember him talking in an interview about wanting to do twister 3d whenever that was a little bit more prevalent in filmmaking and he also wanted to give the twister sequel kind of a darker tone a more realistic and modern day tone and i really wanted to see that version of twister and i'm sad that never got made Also, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who played Dusty in the movie, has also passed away since. So I'm curious to see if they even try to get back some of the original cast at this point, not having Bill Paxton, not having Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Helen Hunt still not being attached to the project, which oftentimes when they do greenlight a movie like this, it's because they already have their star and the fact that they haven't announced her yet leads me to believe that she probably won't be in this movie so it could just be entirely focused on their daughter and entirely taking on a new life of its own. I still think that Twister is the greatest movie ever made to not get a sequel. For the level of success that this movie had at the box office for a Twister 2 to never be made until this point, I think that's a pretty big deal. And I love this movie so much, it's been my favorite for years that I actually had an actor on named Sean Whalen on my podcast back a couple years ago whenever the 25th anniversary of this movie was happening. Sean Whalen played one of the storm chasers in the movie, if you remember, one of them who got criticized by Rabbit saying, you don't fold the maps, you roll the maps. That was Sean Whalen's character. I had him on the podcast, and this is what he had to say about Bill Paxton and him wanting to get a Twister sequel made. Bill had been pushing that for so long, and we were talking about it. He just said, you know, it's crazy because he said there's never been a huge blockbuster like that that doesn't get a sequel. It it was unheard of. So he was going around pitching it. I don't know why it never got made. I mean, it could be, listen, Bill and Helen didn't get along that well just because they were so, so, so different. Mm Mm-hmm in the way they were trained as actors and just their, you know, approaches to life. She's definitely more quiet and reserved. He was definitely gregarious or whatever. And then big. And he was so excited because he'd been in the trenches for a long time of being a side character. And he was finally getting a lead. I don't know if that had something to do with it. So I think that could have greatly contributed to why they never made a sequel. If the two actors 
that are the leads didn't really get along. Maybe they were both sought out and kind of gauged on whether they would want to do another one. And if either one of them would have said no to agreeing to work with the other again, that could have been a reason to shut down any talks of a sequel. And I also still follow Sean on TikTok, and he made a video saying that he knows nothing about it. He hasn't been reached out to, and he was a part of that storm-chasing crew So that also leads me to believe that they are probably going to bring in an entirely new cast into this movie. And as much as I love Twister, I just don't think we should mess with the legacy of it. I just don't think anything they make will live up to what that original movie means to me. Will I end up eventually going to watch it in theaters? Yes, of course. But I think we just love the idea of what a Twister sequel could be like because we love that original one. But unless you have Helen Hunt back, unless you have all, if not most, of the original cast back, I don't think it'll feel the same. So as of now, I'm not that into it, and that is coming from a diehard fan. So I'm definitely curious to see what more news we get about this movie. All right, next I'm going to get into why I am annoyed with Rotten Tomatoes. If you're new to the podcast, I have been trying to become a certified critic on Rotten Tomatoes probably since I started this podcast. Really, the reason I got into reviewing movies to begin with is because I love Rotten Tomatoes. I would always kind of rely on that score and it would kind of skew my feelings going into watching a movie. And that is why I started reviewing movies. And it's always just kind of been this dream of mine to be an actual Rotten Tomatoes critic and get to submit reviews that contribute to that critic score. I don't know why they have continued to reject my application, but every time I submit, they send me an email. And right before I sat down to record this episode, I got my response that said, Dear Mike, thank you for your application and your patience during our review process. Unfortunately, we are unable to offer you Rotten Tomato meter approval at this time. For podcasts, we look for an audience reach and engagement demonstrated through at least 200 ratings on Apple Podcasts with a minimum of four stars. And we did not see this reflected in your submission. And that is the main reason they rejected me. They didn't even look at my profile. If you look at this, Thanks to you guys, we have a 4.9 rating on Apple Podcasts and thousands of reviews. And they said, if anything changes, I can reapply in March 2023. I've been trying to get approved since 2020, so I really don't see any hope in this at this point. I think for some reason, they don't want me as a critic. I don't know what else I have to do. This is at least the most solid answer I've got from them to date before they would just say I haven't been reviewing movies for at least two years, which is also untrue. I've been reviewing movies on the Bobby Bone Show since 2016. So I don't know what we need to do, guys. And I don't know why I feel like I need their approval. It's just always something I've wanted to say that I have, that I am a Rotten Tomatoes certified reviewer. But at this point, it really doesn't mean that much to me anymore than just wanting to finally get approved after them rejecting me for so long. And the only reason I share this is to let you in on if you ever go to Rotten Tomatoes, which, hey, just listen to this podcast. I try to steer you the best way. I feel like I am your friend here letting you know how I feel about movies, even though we don't always have to agree I try to let you know what kind of movie fan you have to be to enjoy different kind of movies. So I try to be very objective when giving my reviews. And I also share my bias with you sometimes. Sometimes it's just movies that I'm going to like for no other reason than being, I just like an aesthetic to a movie. I'll be upfront with that. But for some reason, Rotten Tomatoes feel like they kind of have an agenda when it comes to what gets submitted over there and what goes into them giving high ratings to movies that I watch and be like, how did that movie get a high rating? And maybe I would mess that up over there. So if that's the real reason I'm getting denied here, which I don't know, they won't give me a straight answer. I'll be fine. I'll leave my reviews here for you guys. That is what this is all about at the end of the day. But that is why I was fired up going into this week's episode. But enough about them. Let's wrap it up with what I do every single week on the podcast. And it's give my listener shout out of the week. All you have to do is leave a comment on Instagram, TikTok, or send me an email at moviemikeD at gmail.com. 
This is a DM I got from Jen on Instagram who said, just purchased our Black Panther Wakanda Forever tickets. So excited for this to come out. We're seeing it in IMAX 3D. I've seen all Marvel movies as they come out in theaters with my son. It's created amazing memories and it has become our thing. Love listening to your podcast, Jen. My wife and I have also bought our Wakanda Forever tickets. So Jen, I am right there with you being as excited going into this movie. And I love that that is a tradition that you have with your son. I saw a TikTok that made me pretty emotional. And it was this kid and his dad that they have taken pictures in front of every Marvel movie poster that they've seen outside of the theater. And it's the kid just progressively getting older and older. It goes from being a kid to being a teenager. And that kind of got me on an emotional level. And I know there are far other more important reasons and other reasons that mean more to me to have a kid someday. But like you, Jen, I too would like to have that bonding experience of taking a son or daughter to watch all of these Marvel movies, especially right now where they're all still really good. But I am really excited to see Wakanda Forever, which my Marvel update of the week as I am rewatching all of the Marvel movies just by character. I have now hopped over, finished the Captain America's and I'm watching Black Panther mainly because I want to refresh myself going into Wakanda forever. So that is where I am on that. Thanks everybody for listening, for being subscribed to the podcast. We'll wrap up Horror Movie Month next week with a new episode coming out on Monday, which is Halloween. And until then, go out and watch good movies and I will talk to you later. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.